My name is Ryan Yancey and I'm a lead pastor with Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. Thanks a lot for joining me. We're going to take some time to look at how we can be a people who live in uncommon ways in the midst of COVID-19 and then of course in the years to come as we proceed forward. But before I dive into that, I want to invite you to join our church family, Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church, on Zoom, Sunday morning at 11 a.m., a time of just sharing with one another, hearing what's going on. This, this week, we're going to highlight a number of frontline workers to hear what they're experiencing and how we can be in prayer for them. So join us. You can message myself. You can message our KZMC social media accounts if you'd like to find out how to jump in there. I'll, I'll send you the, the Zoom link. I'd like to start out by sharing with you a report of astounding love by a fellow, an Italian priest named Don Giuseppe Brardelli. Now the report is that this, this gentleman who is, was well-respected and well-loved contracted the COVID-19 virus in Italy several weeks back. As he was suffering, his parishioners gathered together to purchase for him a respirator with the hopes that he would be able to return um, have a, a full recovery and be back with them as, as usual. Now, the report is that uh, Friar Berardelli received the respirator, but as he was in the hospital, there was a younger person nearby who did not have one. And so as an act of sacrificial love, Berardelli gave his respirator to this other person whom he had not known prior. He said, I want you to live. I'm willing to sacrifice my life for you. A pretty astounding act of, of love. I'm inspired by that. I would hope that if I was in similar circumstances, I would choose to love others in the way that this gentleman did. Now, it's a little bit disappointing because this was widely reported. I found it on globalnews.ca. Turns out it's fake news. Ah, I was kind of disappointed about that because I thought this is super inspiring. I want to use this for a sermon illustration. The true story is that the parishioners donated a respirator to Mr. Berardelli, but because it was uncomfortable, he had pre-existing health conditions that made it awkward. He said, I don't want this, and he set it aside, and then the, uh, the medical staff proceeded to give it to another person. So he actually just took it off because it was uncomfortable, but the story grew and he was turned into a hero of faith. But this has got me thinking, what does it look like to be a person of uncommon love in whatever circumstances you find yourself in the midst of? And as I've been doing some research on this, I've discovered a whole host of stories, and I'm going to share a few with you along the way during our time together. Now, before I proceed, please hear me say, I do not expect our COVID-19 realities to get out of hand in the same way that they have in other places. This week, we have been hearing it clearly said, we're not out of the woods yet, but there are hopeful signs. And it, it, it appears that if things continue as they are, that we will not experience um, the, the, the terror that they've seen in other places where the pandemic has um, hit much harder. And so I'm, I'm hopeful about that. So please hear me saying, I don't expect things to go haywire. However, we don't know what's ahead and whether it's in the coming weeks of COVID-19 or whether it's any other time in our lives when we might face calamity of any sort. Thinking back to the, uh, the Spanish flu from 1918 and how at that time, up to a quarter of the world's population was infected with that virus. That's just incredible. 500 million people, a quarter of the world's population, and the most conservative estimates say that 17 million people perished. 
possibly up to 40 million people. So that happened 100 years ago. We're experiencing this. There's nothing to say that we won't have another experience like this within our lifetimes. So no matter what comes, I would like to take this moment to consider how do we be a people of uncommon love no matter what comes our mind what comes our way. My mind has also been drawn to, in the last couple of weeks, this story that we've had coming out of the, uh, the long-term care residents in Quebec. And, and I'm sure many of you have seen the just horrifying um, accounts that have come out of that uh, facility where there were uh, 31 people who died. And in that place, as, as staff was overwhelmed and as various staff members contracted COVID-19 and had to step out and uh, just a, a horrible scene of patients who were dehydrated because they had not had anything to drink for long periods. Patients, or I should say residents, who were triple diapered um, just in haste of the staff and, and feces leaking out. Someone had described the situation as a concentration camp and it's just been, it's been horrible. It's been horrifying to read about this. Now, I don't know all of the details. I don't know all of the complexities. So I don't want to pass a lot of, of judgment, but, but I thought if, if I was in that situation, maybe if I was a worker, if I was close to the situation, how would I respond? Would I run with terror because of fear that I might contract this as well? Or would I step in trembling, of course, but step in with bravery and courage to love in uncommon ways? And so I think we all, this is a great time to do a gut check and ask ourselves, how would I respond if I find myself in the midst of things with a virus or some other calamity, uh, just going, going haywire and walking in the midst of, of, of terror? Would I be someone who responds with uncommon love? And actually, in, in our Zoom worship time this weekend, 11 a.m. Sunday, we'd love to have you join us. In that time, we're going to hear from uh, three or four frontline workers from our community here. And we're going to be hearing what they're experiencing. As many of us are staying safe in our homes, they're on the front lines. They're encountering very difficult circumstances. They are choosing to love in uncommon ways right now. So anyhow, I think this is a prime time, whether for immediate circumstances or possibly later on in life, how will I respond in a situation that requires uncommon love? So I've done a little bit of looking through history and found lots of examples of where the people of God have risen up and done some pretty crazy and impressive, inspiring things to care for others. I came across the story of Sarah Peters. Sarah was a Methodist minister in the 18th century in the United Kingdom, and she she was a passionate woman, and she would share Jesus with criminals who were on their way to execution in the gallows. Often, she would go with a team, and they would lock themselves into the prison cells of these prisoners overnight to minister to them. On October the 9th, 1748, Sarah and another minister visited 10 criminals who were condemned to death. They went into the cell with them, even though there was a deathly fever that was raging through the, uh, the prison at that time, even though they described it as a pestilence fever. And, and it was a very real concern that they were putting their lives at risk. But they said, we have to minister to these gentlemen who are going to be, these gentlemen, these, these criminals, who are heading to their execution. So they entered in. And uh, historian, Canadian historian Bruce Hindmarsh reports, he says, they sang, they read scripture, and they prayed, and all were in tears. Before the execution, there was an all-night prayer revival, prayer meeting, and prison revival there. 
Sarah Peters wanted badly to care for these criminals and she risked her life for it. She wanted them to know that they could look to God for mercy. She wanted them to know the saving work of Jesus. She wanted them to know that someone loves and cares in their moment of deepest horror. Ten days later, Sarah Peters died from the fever that she contracted while in that prison. And Highmarsh writes, he says, her solidarity with the condemned and diseased made her, in her own way, a martyr. That's incredible. What uncommon love. I've, I've not heard of anyone in Canada, anyone around me, loving someone in a way like that. What uncommon love. I'm, I'm super inspired by that story. What would it mean for us to love others in uncommon ways such as this, in the midst of whatever circumstances we find ourselves? We also find a lot of examples of uncommon love throughout the pages of Scripture. We have this gift, the Christian Bible, that tells us the stories from centuries upon centuries upon centuries of how God has worked with his people. And so we see in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, incredible accounts of faithfulness. And there's a list of a whole host of people who lived in radical ways. And it starts out in chapter 11, verse 1. And it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance of what we cannot see. That is why biblical characters demonstrated great faith. Because they had this confidence in what they hoped for. They were assured of things, of promises of God, even if they couldn't see those promises immediately around them. Despite the challenges that they endured, they had confidence that a good God was at work and was preparing a better future for them. And so one of the examples in Hebrews 11 that's pointed to is Noah. Noah was compelled to warn the people around him of a great destructive flood that was coming. He didn't care if people turned their backs on him. He didn't care if they said, Noah's a fool. Why is he building that massive boat? What a joke. He didn't care. He pleaded with them because he was willing to risk his reputation. He was willing to risk his life at the hands of the people because he trusted in the promises of a better future that God held out to him. He had faith that better days were ahead. Abraham. God gave Abraham a promise that he would give him a big family and use that family to bless the world, to make the world a better place. However, Abraham struggled with his wife, Sarah, to conceive a child. Despite this struggle, he believed the promises of God. Against all odds, he said, I have faith in God's promises. I have faith that better days are coming. So he pressed forward and continued to take obedient steps toward the will of God, even though it didn't make sense. He said, I have hope. I have assurance that God is at work and is carrying out his purposes. Moses. It refers to Moses in verse 23 of this chapter 11. Moses was an adopted family member of Pharaoh, the emperor of Egypt. Moses could have relaxed in the Egyptian palaces, lived a life of luxury and influence. He could have had a pretty easy life. But he chose to step outside of that. He rejected it and he risked his life on behalf of his biological people by confronting Pharaoh and saying, what you're doing is evil. You need to let these people go. 
He risked his life. He could have headed straight to death, but he chose to believe the promises of God. He chose to believe that God had better days ahead for them. And when Pharaoh says, all right, you go, he led the people toward what appeared to be a dead end, a completely foolish leadership decision. But he trusted the promises of God that were ahead. He loved his people in a very uncommon way because he had hope. He had confidence in the things that he could not yet see. These people loved in uncommon ways. They believed that better days were ahead. Verse 13 goes on to explain further what was going on in their minds and their hearts to make decisions like this. Verse 13 says, All people, all these people, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that they were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them in a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And then verse 16 proceeds to say, Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Do you get that? Those are fascinating words. They did not receive the things God promised in this life. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance. They said, I'm a foreigner. I'm a stranger. This is not my home. I have a better world, a better kingdom with God coming that I will enter into. I'm going to hold on to that promise. That is my hope, not what I experience now. There's no question in my mind that for Sarah Peters, the Methodist lady who died because she ministered to fevered criminals on death row, there's no question in my mind that this was the hope that she held on to. She said, no way, I am not going to serve my own life. Instead, I'm going to give up my life in this time so that I can serve these criminals. And that's super challenging to me. What does that mean for me? I'm sure Sarah wanted to, I want to live life, a long life, a healthy life to enjoy my grandparents. I have this vision in my mind of one day being with my family, camping in the mountains, enjoying the goodness of relationships, enjoying the glory of God. And maybe God will allow me to see that. But maybe I will not see the fulfillment of the goodness and the promises of God in this life as I serve and lay my life down with that hope, that confidence that better days are coming. Christian history is littered with people who held loosely to their life on this earth because of the glory that was yet to come. Chapter 11, verse 35, says this about the earliest followers of Jesus. It says, Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by swords. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were the people who laid down their life on this earth for the sake of others. In order to help people find peace with God, they said, I'm a stranger in this world. I can hold my life loosely. It doesn't matter what happens to me because I have a better life to come. This is the hope of the resurrection. And it's fascinating that this, this faithful witness of the first Christians written about here continued on with the early church in the Roman Empire. Historians say that the early church's commitment to living in uncommon ways was a significant reason why it grew to the point that it eventually became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Christians early on were killed by their faith. 
in the Roman emperor. They were tried to be stomped out. But as the Roman Empire was crumbling, as death and disease was taking over what had been a great city, while the rulers, the wealthy, the influential of the city fled to the hills for freedom and safety, it was the Christians who stayed behind. They cared for their own, but they also cared for everyone else, whether they were a fellow Christian or not. They stayed. They sacrificed their lives and their well-being for the good of the people around them because they knew that they're strangers in this earth and there's a better life in the new heavens and the new earth coming. This is a major, major reason why Christianity grew. It's a huge reason why we even know who Jesus is today rather than it being stamped out by the Roman emperor. Chuck Colson succinctly summarizes it. He says, as a result... Though Christians often died in the process of taking care of the sick, people wanted to become Christians because it was a better life than the pagans, and they saw something that they wanted. Can you imagine seeing someone on the outside saying, these folks are caring for others and they're actually dying, but I want that more than fleeing for my safety because there's something beautiful and powerful in that. I'm really struck by that reality. Because we have a better future ahead with God, we can love in uncommon ways. In verse 39 of chapter 11 in Hebrews says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. None of these folks listed in Hebrews 11 received fully what God promised to them in this earth. What are the promises of life that you are clinging to? As I mentioned before, I envision being an old guy camping someday in the mountains with my family. That's a promise that I want to see happen. But God is calling me to hold that loosely and be willing to give that up if he asks me to serve in a sacrificial way that would risk my own life and health. May God give me the will and the strength. May the Holy Spirit empower me if that decision should ever come to walk faithfully. There is no guarantee that I will see all that I hope to see on this earth. If I would be able to let go, it will be because of my confidence that there is a better world yet to come, the new heavens and the new earth with God. That's our home. This isn't our home. It's not. Someday, God is going to step into things. He's going to fix everything. He's going to bring heaven to earth and he's going to make everything new and it's going to be perfect. There's going to be no more tears, no more uh, sickness, and we're going to be with God. It's going to be a place full of joy and beauty and perfection, no evil. I'm looking forward to that. That is our home. That is our better future. We need that to be the higher image in our minds and hearts than what we see and experience now so that we can hold this loosely in a way that enables us to love in uncommon ways. And as we consider what that could look like in our lives, the perfect, the perfect leader is Jesus. It's Jesus. He endured the cross. The Bible tells us that he set aside the ease and pleasure of life on this earth. And he did it with trembling. It was scary. He sweated drops of blood. He was nervous. It was super challenging. It was not a walk in the park. But he did it. He laid down the pleasures of this world. And he pressed on toward incredible pain and death for the sake of us. Why did he do this? He did this for the joy that was set before him. 
He trusted the Father. He trusted that a better life was ahead. And today now, the resurrected Jesus is sitting in the throne room of heaven at the right hand of God, ruling over the whole universe. He trusted those promises of God that there was something bigger, better, more glorious, more perfect beyond that suffering and death. And that promise was delivered to him. He is our perfect example. Maybe as you listen to this, you don't know this hope. I don't know where you're at spiritually. Maybe this is all new to you. Maybe this seems like, like crazy talk. I want to invite you, if you've never heard this, but you find this type of life compelling because it is real. It has been lived out in history, and we hope it will be lived out in us. If that's compelling, I invite you to give your life to Jesus so that you can know this hope. We're all sinful. We've all run from God. We've all decided to set up ourselves as the directors of our lives. And God has said, I can forgive you. I want to welcome you back. So he died on the cross to pay for the sin, to pay the price of our sin and our evil so that we could be set free, so we could be restored to relationship with him. You can have peace in your heart. You can have freedom. You can have forgiveness. And Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, you don't have to die forever. You can live forever with me. And so if you place your faith in those realities, if you trust in Jesus and say, he is my king, he's the one that's going to direct my life from now on, you also can be received as a child of God. You can be accepted into his kingdom. You can have this hope of a life that is better than the life that we find ourselves in the midst of. Message me if you want more info. Message someone else you know who's a follower of Jesus. Would love to have a conversation with you. Tons of, tons of hope in this story. There is a better life ahead. I can't even imagine what life would be like without this hope. I can't even imagine how glorious, um, how perfect life to come will be. And so this is the same as Jesus, the glory that was set before him. This is the same as the, the heroes of the Bible who said, I'm just a stranger in this land. This is the same as the stories that I've been sharing with you along the way. We have a new heavens and a new earth to come. And so we can love in ways that are risky. We can love in ways that are uncommon, no matter what life brings our way in the coming weeks or in the decades to come. And hear me clearly say, that does not mean that this will be easy. It will be challenging. It will be emotionally exhausting. We would enter in with trembling. And I know, as I mentioned before, our frontline workers, this is difficult stuff. And so we want to bless them and we want to encourage them. We don't, as we hold to this promise, it's not something we talk about glibly or lightly. So how do we live this out? Hebrews 12, 1 tells us to throw off the sin that entangles us. When a sprinter goes to, to run their race, they take off their warm-up jacket, which would catch the wind to reveal their sleek... Um, I don't even know what to call it, their sleek costume, their sleek uniform, their running gear beneath. They throw off their training, their tracksuit, and, and they, they run. They take it off because it would hold them back. The sin, the ways that we choose our own path rather than God's, they entangle us. They trip us up from living out love in uncommon ways. So throw it off. Do what you need to do to get rid of sin. And then the text goes on to say, it says, let us run with perseverance the race that was marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And then verse 3 continues. It says, Consider him who endured the opposition from sinners so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. There is the very real possibility of losing heart. There's the very real possibility of growing weary. As I mentioned a moment ago, our frontline workers, they get weary. If I were to enter into a, a 
a way of incredible self-sacrifice to care for others, I also would grow weary. That's a reality. If you find yourself in this place, or if you're in this place already, look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Let him fill you with strength. Let the Holy Spirit give you everything you need and be inspired by his love who laid down his life for you so that we would have the inspiration to do this for others. So, practical steps. What uncommon love is God calling you to right now? Well, it might not seem all that radical, but for a lot of us, it's to stay home. It is to stay home. For many of us, that's the most courageous thing that we can do. And it's not easy staying home either. Um, It can be stressful. It can feel restricting. I'm a people person. I like to be out and about. And so I do feel it emotionally taxing to be stuck in the same places all the time and to not be with people. I'm going to tell you a story in a a moment, uh, a, a fascinating story. Um, in, a, in a few moments about the idea of, of staying put in the midst of pandemic. Reach out to others around you, even if that means awkward conversations, even if that means you don't get a night of Netflix, reach out to others around you, pray for them, talk about how they're doing. That is one way to love in uncommon ways, to lay down your own preferences, to lay down your comfort, your pleasure, and say, I'm going to live for someone else right now. What about volunteering? If you're off work, maybe there are organizations like Meals on Wheels that need volunteers. I saw a sign on on social media from Meals on Wheels up in Clinton and Goddard. They needed uh, volunteers. Maybe around here, maybe there are organizations that need volunteers. How can you love others in practical ways right now? And of course, my mind does go to what if things went haywire? What if things got completely out of control with COVID-19 and the facilities around them didn't have staff? Would we work together to send in our healthiest and our strongest to care for the dying, to clean soiled people, to pray with people in the midst of their last breaths? This is terrifying to think about. It's terrifying. But it ought to be the moment in which the people of God who have a hope of a better life to come, who know we're just strangers in this world, that we would rise up and love in uncommon ways, being the presence of Jesus in situations of calamity? Would you risk contracting the virus? Would you risk your potential death in order to care for others? This is what Jesus did. This is what the church of Jesus has done throughout history. This is what we would be called to do if things now, and hear me clearly, I don't expect this to happen, but if it was to happen now, or if later in life some other calamity were to happen, if the opportunity arose, would we be willing to risk our lives for the care of other people? These are huge questions to ask, but I hope that we as a community would do this wisely, carefully, empowered by the Spirit, saying, I can love in uncommon ways because I have a hope to come. Holding out our lives, sorry, and, and, and whatever the case now, I invite you to hold out your life and to say, God, whatever it is right now, what does uncommon love look like? I want to go wherever you call me. So I'm going to close with this fascinating story. I got it. It's from the Catholic Register. Uh, props to Father, Matt, Father Matthew George from St. Boniface and St. Peter's uh, parishes for sharing this story. 350 years ago, the bubonic plague was sweeping through Europe. And it made its way to a tiny village of 350 people called Iam. That's my best pronunciation, Iam. Apparently, through a shipment in London, some fleas carrying the bubonic plague arrived in this small town. People began to get sick. And then people began to die. 
And understandably so, the townspeople faced the reality that the plague had arrived. They were naturally beginning to think, we need to run for our lives. We need to get out of here so that we can be safe. But there was a new Anglican priest in town, and his name was William Mompesson. Now, William got up and he preached and he pleaded with the people. He said, you cannot leave this place. He said, I will stay here with you. I will suffer along with you. You cannot leave because if you do, you will carry the plague to the other towns around us that are safe for now, whom you would escape to. You cannot leave. I will suffer with you. And he pleaded persuasively. The Holy Spirit was at work and the townspeople said, you're right. They said, it is our Christian duty to remain in quarantine until this disease passes. We will risk our lives for the safety of the people in the towns around us. They built a stone boundary around the outskirts of the town. No one was allowed to cross that boundary in or out. They arranged for other nearby towns to bring them food and supplies to drop it off at that stone boundary, leaving them there at the rocks. Money was washed in vinegar, which they believed was, was disinfectant. And they washed the money in vinegar, set it on the rocks in exchange for these supplies. It took a year for the plague to burn out. And when it was all said and done, 250 people died. Only 100 people were left in the town. The cemetery was overflowing. People were being buried in fields and gardens. Can you imagine the horror but out of love for their neighbors around them, they said, we will stay here. We will quarantine ourselves. We will sacrifice our lives. Because of their courageous, decisive action, contemporary disease specialists believe that they saved many, many, many lives in the surrounding towns. These were people who loved in uncommon ways because they knew of a better future with God ahead. May the Holy Spirit move in us that we could be a people who love uncommonly. Thanks a lot for taking this time with me. As I said at the start, please join us. If you're not already gathering with, with a, a community, please gather with us on Zoom, 11 a.m. Just It's good to see each other's faces. It's good to ask God for help. We'll be hearing from frontline workers and praying for them as well. Sunday, 11 a.m., message me. Uh, message our church social media accounts if you'd like to get access to the Zoom link. All right, may God be with you.